I'd like to pray just to, before we go into our, our uh, engaging one another in conversation, and, uh, and then we'll pick up where he left off. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our God, our King, and we thank you and we praise you for the wonderful gift of your words on a written page that we have the opportunity each and every day to know and understand the mind of God. We pray, Lord, that you will be with us today, that you would order our time together, that the Holy Spirit would work freely among us, and that he would place upon our hearts those topics, those discussion points that we need to know today before we leave. We give you the glory, honor, and praise, and Lord, we thank you for your, for your presence here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, before we dive in, just some initial thoughts. Does anybody have any thoughts? Anything that just jumped off the page, so to speak, about the Word of God? Anything at all? Okay. Well, you probably noticed that he spoke of several different topics within the topic of the Word of God. And for me, as I was listening to him and as I was preparing, one of the things that really just amazed me, which is, and it's true, is that in the Word of God, you don't find your salvation. He said that in the very beginning. The Word of God is important because it gives us the mind of God, the words of God, to bring us to a place of salvation. So God works through the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin using the Word of God, and then enlightens our hearts and our minds with the Word of God that we might come to a place of accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior, repenting of our sin. And so I'm reminded of what it says in Romans 10, is that how can one be saved unless one be sent, right? And, and he's that one that is sent is, is for what purpose? Is to declare the word of God. So that way a decision can be made. We don't make that decision, but the Holy Spirit comes upon us and moves us in a direction to agreeing with God that we are a sinner in need of, in need of a Savior. So let's look at John, uh, not John, Romans 10. Romans 10, just briefly. So if you'd open your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. And he says, beginning, and the Bible says in beginning uh, verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if we confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believeth unto righteousness, and, one, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For what does the scripture say? Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there, no, there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in the previous verses, it talks about, about sending somebody that, handle, that, that understands the word of God, that preaches the word of God, so that somebody can understand where they're at. I'm reminded of Philip and, uh, and, and, and the individual from uh, the, the uh, guard from Candace's court, in, in, I think it's in the book of Acts, where um, he's running along the chariot, and they're talking about the word of God, and, 
And uh, as Philip is explaining the word of God to him, um, he, he comes to a point where he says, tell me more in essence, tell me more. So Philip witnesses to him and then he says, you should be baptized. And he says, well, what prevents me from being baptized? And so they pull the chariot over and then they're baptized. So the word of God has power, but the word of God goes before the actual words because the Holy Spirit is at work uh, motivating and also move and developing and, 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 and preparing the heart to receive the word of God. And so we see that in Romans. Now, there are a couple other points that he makes. And I want to get into um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And that's his foundational teaching. First, pardon me, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, if somebody turns to that. And when you're there, if you would begin to read chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Okay, we're going to go back to that, but if somebody would open to Proverbs chapter 4, please. Proverbs chapter 4. And when you're there, begin reading verse 1 through verse 7. Verse 1 through verse 7. Okay, and if you would continue reading verses 21 through 22. And if you recall, uh, Moses told Joshua, do not let the word depart from you. And so the word of God is to be an integral part of our lives. And as we look at that uh, passage that Mike just read in Proverbs, we see that the focus is to be the word of God. And we live in a world today where the word of God is just seen by many as just a book. And we live in a time of self-help, right? And I guess that's the key word, self, self-help. So people prefer to self-help than God help. And that's what he was talking about in the end when he was talking about you have all these Bibles we have in our homes and yet they're filled with dust and they're, very, and they're barely cracked open. But I was thinking of my own life and I was thinking about how much time in a day do I actually devote myself to reading the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God. And as I thought about it further, I thought when I'm standing before the Lord our God, I'm standing before Jesus, and I'm seeing my life, and I'm saying, but I didn't know, I didn't know. Forgive me, Lord, I didn't know. And I look at my life as in totality, as the Lord saw it. I come to the realization that he has given us every opportunity in each and every day in which we live to access the Word of God, to apply the Word of God, to surround ourselves with people that are familiar with the Word of God. But how often do we do something else instead of giving attention to the most important things in our lives? And I was, as I was thinking about my life, I was thinking about just my day-to-day decisions. You know, how, how do I base, what do I base my decisions on? And again, I go back to this whole self thing, right? Self. Like Brother Tony, when you're at the job and you're making a decision, unless you're in the Word of God, it doesn't really enter your mind, does it? But we hope it influences us, right? Because as the Word of God is in our lives, the Holy Spirit is at work through us and influencing us in the things we say, in the way that we say it, in the way that we view things. Instead of viewing things 
from a worldly perspective. We start to view things from a biblical perspective, which is God's perspective. And that's where we want to be. That's where Proverbs 4 comes into play. Yes, my sister. That's right, Natalie. That's exactly right. And, uh, and we can identify with that. I can identify with that. I mean, all of us as believers can, right? The fact is, is that we know that we have sin. And when we see we sin, we want to get rid of that sin. But the reality, to your point, is, is that we can't get rid of our own sin. Even as believers, we can't get rid of our own sin because that's something only the Spirit of God can do. And one of the ways that He does it, to your point, is through the Word of God. As we are bathed in the Word of God, as we are filled with the Word of God, as the Word of God continues to fill our hearts and our minds, then that becomes second nature, so to speak. It should really becomes first nature, right? It takes the place of the sinful self, and it begins to operate. And, and, and then when we're operating in the Spirit, actually what's happening is the Word of God is being manifested in and through our lives. And so to your point, that's exactly right, because I struggle with that very thing every time I sin. Um, I know there's grace, but it is such uh, an abhorrent thing. It is disgusting to me to see myself repeating same sins over and over again in attitudes and in, in, in actions. And so that's an excellent point about it is the Holy Spirit through the power of God. So as we get into the Word of God, he talks about in, in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, he talks about what it's good for. And starting in verse 18, he says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness so that the man and also woman of God may be complete, uh, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Which is interesting, right? Every good work. Because we think of works, and the world thinks of works, and they figure, well, if we do enough good works, then we can be made right before God. But here what we see is the complete opposite, is that we are right by, as we are made right in God, in Christ, then we are equipped for good works. But it's not just coming to a place of salvation. It's actually growing in our faith. It's actually growing in the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and the call that's upon our life. And so nothing happens by osmosis in the Christian life, right? I can't stand next to the Word of God and all of a sudden it just fills me. It just doesn't work that way. I can't just call upon the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, please guide me and direct me because He's got to use something in my life because I'm a human being I have a mind, I have intellect, I have understanding, and I operate through this system called a body and a mind that God has given me. And so we have to dedicate ourselves to God's guide plan, if you would, or guidebook for our lives, which is the Word of God. So each and every day, it is vital that we take time to systematically work through the Word of God and take notes, note it in your Bible, note it on a notepad, but take notes. Don't just do it from memory because the enemy can steal it from our minds. As soon as we get busy, as soon as there's struggles, as soon as there's difficulties, as soon as there's challenges, those things can be taken from us. And not only that, we have everything inundated in our minds and our lives, right? We have technology, we have television, we have radios, we have demanding bosses, we have family demands. There are so many demands on our life that our minds and our lives become just focused on those immediate demands. And then the things of God that we have just read 
all of a sudden escape us. And that's the enemy. He takes it from our minds before it has a chance to plant itself in our hearts. And so we go back to the passage in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, and he says, again, for all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. And what was interesting as he was saying it was this. It was for ourselves, right? So as I'm reading the Word of God, as I am being illuminated by the Word of God, it's not that I can judge you. It's so I can judge myself. And the other interesting thing was, what do you think about the analogy he used about the word correction? That it's not like a, a teacher correcting a paper, but it's more like a physician correcting a malformation or disformation of a bone itself and making it right. What did you think of that in terms of an analogy? Did it hit home? Did it register? Did it help you comprehend exactly what that, what that term means in this, in this capacity? Anybody? So, Brother Tony. So what are we malformed by? What malforms us? Anybody? There you go. So we have a lot of malformation, right? And so, but one of the things that God uses is brokenness, right? Brother Mike and I, we were talking about the, th the struggles that he's been going through over the last year and the things he's continuing to go through and continue to pray for our brother Mike as he goes through those challenges in his life physically. And, and so we think about that, that God breaks us. He brings us to these points where we are broken because in our brokenness is where we find healing because unless there's a break, there can be no correction. And so we go down through our lives and we're making decisions and you know, praise God when we're walking with God and we're doing and making decisions that glorify Him. But there are times in our lives when we're going through and making our life and making decisions that don't align itself with the truth of God's Word. But yet we continue on in that direction and things appear to be going good, but they work contrary to God's best for our lives. And God's best is what? Transforming us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so it's through this transformation, it's through the suffering, it's through the Word of God that he can apply this salve, this healing, as our brother Tony was talking about, by the Word of God into our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see it in our daily lives, right? We've experienced it over our lifetime, how we go through struggles, whether they're financial, whether they're relational, whether they're, they're physical, that there is a break. And then God's word comes into play. And then we get a different perspective. Because our first, our, first, our first decision, our first response generally is, why would God do this to me? Why am I going through this? Why does this have to happen to my family? Why, 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 why? Yes, Brother Mike. I mean, to your point, like the voice of the martyrs, uh, the missionaries and those people that are suffering in those other parts of the world, if they were here today and we were... We were asking them, how do you feel about what God has allowed you to go through? And they would probably say, just what Brother Mike was saying, just about his own afflictions. I praise and thank the Lord Jesus Christ that he entrusts me with suffering, with difficulty. And see, when we live in a, in a me generation, as we're discussing, we don't see that as valuable. We have to eliminate that from our lives because it's only when things are going well that we believe the blessing of God is at work in our lives. 
But that's not true. The Bible doesn't support that at all. Because in Hebrews it says about Jesus, what does it say about Jesus? That he learned obedience through suffering. He learned obedience. Did Jesus have to learn obedience? No. He's God. He's perfect in every way. But he, through his example, taught us to be patient in suffering and in difficulty. So whatever we're facing, whatever it is that, that we think we should have but we don't have at this point in time, be patient, wait on God, stay in the Word of God, let Him develop us, let Him turn us in and transform us into the likeness of Christ. Yes, Lynn. Amen. You know, to your point, when we share the Word of God with non-believers, they don't understand it, right? If you took that same scripture verse and you applied it to somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ, and, and their ears are hearing it, and they're going through that affliction, and they're like, why are you telling me this? What's that got to do with anything? Because why? The focus is me. It's me. And so the decoder, I love it, our secret code, right? I, it's awesome. It's, just, it's a privilege to be part of a God that has given us a language within a family that we can continue to support one another, whatever the struggles, physically as well as emotionally and in through prayer. What a beautiful, beautiful God we serve. How wonderful he is to equip us with such riches. You know, we talk about, the Bible talks about riches that we have in Christ Jesus. And sometimes we don't know what those riches are. I know I have, and it's like, Lord, what do you mean we have riches? What kind of riches are we talking about? And we see the obvious things, right, in terms of our Christian experience. But that is a, that's a good one. That is a really good one. That's another one. That's one of those gifts that we have that's kind of hidden. And now today, each of us is going to walk away enriched with that thought of knowing that God loves us so much, He gave us His Word, His special language, and gave us a decoder, which is the Holy Spirit, and a support group that knows exactly what it is we're speaking to one another. How powerful that is. That is just beautiful. We have five minutes, so in that five minutes, if somebody has something that they would like to add, yes, Betty, Brother Dayron. You know, it's interesting that he quoted that scripture verse that ties in with that. When he was talking about the Pharisees, Jesus met the Pharisees, and he said to the Pharisees, he said, you know, you search the scriptures. Theirs was the Old Testament at the time. And you think they have eternal life. He said, but they point, to, they point to me. They talk about me. They talk, they're talking about Christ. And so from the perspective of a mindset that a non-believer may have, we need to be careful when we're, when we're visiting and when we're guiding and leading them, utilizing the Word of God. The Word of God has its place, and it's a beautiful, and it's a centerpiece in our lives. But as he made the point, is it's still Jesus Christ. The Word of God in and of itself, does not save us. Even though it has the words of life, it is Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. Because if it's the Word, then it's a work. It's a work we can do because we read it, the Holy Spirit illuminates our minds, and then we say yes to God. But it doesn't actually do that. What it does is it illuminates our hearts and our minds to the truth that Jesus is real and Jesus is the only way and Jesus is the one that saves us by His grace, through His grace, through His power. And He utilizes the Word of God so that way we have a sign, so to speak, that directs us to where that salvation is. 
The sign is, you know, when we're on the road and we're looking at signs and we knew we have to get off on this road here, it's not the sign that we are running to. We go by the sign to the destination that's beyond the sign. And beyond the sign of God's word is Jesus Christ. He is in it. He is it. He is the word of God. It is he who we are pursuing. And so today, Ron's point, or whoever was talking about the fact that we wrestle with God, we hang on to God, we hang on to the Word of God. Who we're hanging on to is Jesus Christ, because John says is that He's the Word, right? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So it, it, it is the Word of God, yes, but it is the power of Christ through the Word of God. So let's close in prayer, and then we're going to enjoy fellowship. Father God, we thank you and praise you for the Word of God. It is a beautiful and awesome message of your love and your responsibility, and your caring for your people. Lord, forgive us when we want to do things in ourself. We want to improve our own lives. Yes, we have a responsibility to follow you, and to follow the, and to hear the voice of God, and to lean in, and to wrestle when need be, Lord, to be able to see the fruit of the Word of God at work in our lives. And so we pray, Lord, that you will just bless your people, and that you would mature us in the faith, and that you would enrich our love for you and for one another. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.